Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Brad Minton, to discuss the idea of building a personal brand from scratch. Brad is a career coach and certified resume writer. He's worked in higher education career services for the last decade and is driven to help the next generation of college students succeed. In addition to working full-time as a career coach, he also runs his side hustle business, Mint to Be Career, where he helps students and ambitious emerging professionals get clear on who they really are and land the positions that align with that identity. Brad also co-hosts the Your Career GPS podcast, which I highly recommend, by the way, which helps young people navigate their unique career journeys. Brad can be found most actively on LinkedIn, where he was recently honored with a top job search expert to follow on LinkedIn, recognition for 2021. Brad is joining us from Allen Park, Michigan. Brad, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Hey, Mike and Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored to be with you guys today. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. And congrats on the LinkedIn. That's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Amazing. Well, why don't we just start off with you telling us a little bit more about your career story so far and how you got to where you are? Yes, absolutely. So uh, Mike already touched on a couple of the, the highlights or the points. So uh, for me, I always kind of say my career always started with a central mission and I knew that I was a helper. I knew it was just embedded in my fabric and I wanted to do something that served other people. And um, it, it's just, it's just a part of who I am. And I've had some challenges, some things that have happened in my life that really um, brought mental health into uh, perspective in terms of the value that it, it brought me uh, through those challenging times. And so as most therapists tend to do, I felt like this could be a, a calling for me. This could be something that I could take um, and really, really build and, um, and venture into as a way to, to help other people uh, through uh, some of the challenging times that they deal with. So I started out my career um, with the intention on being a therapist and, and doing that for you know, the rest of my life as we're <laughs> kind of ingrained to think. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, started out, uh, did my bachelor's degree in psychology from Radford University in Virginia. Then I went on and got a master's in community counseling uh, through uh, Radford University as well and uh, started my career in mental health. And I experimented a little bit. I took on a couple of different roles and residential treatment, um, and inpatient, outpatient, in-home, you know, I kind of experimented, I ran the whole gamut and worked with so many different clients over the years. And, um, and it was, it was challenging. It was rewarding. It, it was all of the above, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, depending on the role that we're talking about. But, um, you know, an interesting thing happened, uh, in the course of my career is I, discovered that I really, really enjoyed working with youth through all of these experiences. And, and sometimes it's through those trial and error times that you get woken up and realize what you, what you really, really have a passion for. And I realized I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed working with them in an educational and a career context. I enjoyed having conversations about the future and really talking about what's next and what are they going to do and really imagining the possibilities because I felt like that really played to my strengths because I'm a, I'm a very um, imaginative and innovative kind of person. And so I loved having these, these conversations with these, uh, with these individuals. And so I said, you know what, maybe I'm, 
you know, maybe I need to take a, a little bit of a pivot. Maybe I need to go the route of um, school counseling. And so I said, okay, well, I can take my mental health background and just apply it to education setting. That sounds like a good fit. Well, interesting thing how life turns out is I was in the active job search trying to find a position in, um, in uh, working in a high school and things just didn't pan out. And coincidentally at that time happened to meet somebody who was uh, the Dean of Arts and Sciences at a local community college and struck up a conversation and she said, hey, you know, we're hiring <laughs> for mm. people who have a counseling background. And I never thought about working in higher ed. And I was like, well, that sounds intriguing. <laughs> so I, I took it and said that this sounds, uh, this sounds like a really, really great way to leverage my skills in a way that I didn't anticipate. And so that sort of kicked off this new venture and working in higher education. And then two years into that position, um, an interesting thing happened. Our existing career counselor uh, took another position. And so that freed up hers. And in the process, I was given the opportunity to also teach courses. And the course that I was offered to teach was called career decision making. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this sounds really neat. Um, but, you know, it's a little intimidating, never taught courses before. But, you know, so I started teaching the courses and I filled in that role of, of career counselor. And in the process, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. This is absolutely, <laughs> you know, what I have been longing for. This is the impact that I want to make because I'm now teaching these courses. I'm seeing the growth. I'm having these conversations with students and I'm noticing uh, like an immediate impacts and I'm feeling like so invigorated, so empowered by that. And so I've been absolutely hooked into that ever since. And so I've had the opportunity to work for a community college, a small business college, and now with a uh, university, Eastern Michigan University, and I've been there for the last year and a half. And then now in the last year, ventured out and started my own uh, little practice and uh, some other side hustles. <laughs> that is so cool to just hear how the thread of curiosity has weaved through your entire career and brought you to this point. That's such an amazing story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you it, encaps, it encapsulates something that we talk about. I'm sure a lot of career development folks talk about the idea of find something, find some people that you want to serve, figure out a way to serve them that is meaningful to them, where there is a need for it, and that does tap into your interests. And I, and getting kind of clarity on that is important, but then also remaining flexible to how that might all change and morph over time mm -hmm. into, for you, it sounds like the picture that you're in right now is really a, a sum of all those ingredients coming together. And that is super cool. Thanks for sharing all of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Neat. <laughs> We're talking about personal branding and I think it's, it's great hearing your story because personal brands usually are based on stories <laughs> and <laughs> right. they can initially seem kind of like a mystery to a lot of people. How would you define a personal brand? What is it to you? So since we are on the Career Builders podcast, um, I'm going to kind of focus a little bit more on a personal brand in a professional sense. Um, I will admit that there, um, there are personal brands that are indeed more personal and aren't necessarily um, have a direct correlation to our careers. Um, but in the, in the context of a professional brand, what most of your listeners are really working on, on trying to build. And I know, you know, in, in terms of the students and clients that I work with on a, on a consistent basis, I go back to um, 
a really great quote from a guy I had the pleasure of getting introduced to a couple of years ago. His name's Ryan Roten, who's a personal branding expert. Um, and he has sort of a different twist on a Jeff Bezos uh, quote, but it said that a personal brand is really what people say about you when you're not around. And so if you think about it that way, it's uh, essentially your reputation. It's, and uh, personal branding is reputation management by consequence. It's how you manage what individuals are thinking about you, their perception of you, the, the communication that you're providing about who you are and what you do. And so I think it's important to first recognize that we all have a brand, whether we're aware of it or not. And, and oftentimes for young people, they don't realize that they're building this. They, they already have a certain degree of a brand in terms of how they're projecting through social media channels. And so, um, so for them, it's very important to get that responsibility early on about you can take control of this and you do have one. Um, but in the applying it specifically to a professional sense, my take on it, how I like to convey it to other people, is I say that your personal brand is your authentic impact story. Um, we are um, in our careers always trying to do positive for our companies, for our employers, for our stakeholders, for the individuals that are going to benefit from you know, our, our goods, our services, whatever that may be. And so we're trying to make an impact and that's really what we're, we're trying to do. And I say authentic impact because it's unique to us as individuals, how we go about doing that, um, because we each have something different to offer. So your authentic impact story, it's the story that you convey to others through your messaging that says who you are in your most authentic form, what you care about, what you're good at, what you can do that's a little bit better than everybody else, and then what you can deliver and your value. That's awesome. That's a really good place to be coming from. I think that's a good high-level view. Is there something that you want to unpack that you feel like is maybe a really important starting point for someone to think about as they are building their personal brand? Uh, because all of those points sound incredibly valid. Is there one that sticks out as uh, a more striking initial point? Sure. I think one of the, um, the things to really think about is that for most individuals, again, I think it's important to recognize that they have a personal brand already. And it's so important that you really, really get clear on your why. Um, and I, I like to often quote Simon Sinek in this instance when I'm talking about why, um, because it's, it's really embedded in why we do what we do. It's our purpose. And, um, and our personal brand is really the vehicle that demonstrates this. And so Simon Sinek says, you know, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So when you kind of think about that, it's really about, um, you know, taking the time to really get clear on what it is that truly matters to you and why that you have a particular calling for whatever your, um, whatever your service or your impact that you want to make is for another individual. And so I a lot of times use therapists as a really great example here because I come from the therapy background. 
talk to any therapist and they have a story and <laughs> they have a why. And for often, for many of them that choose to go in the mental health field, it's because something uh, has been in, in particularly meaningful. You know, they've endured a trauma. They've had some, some struggles in their lives that are um, really, really important that have shifted their perception of now what's really, really important in life and how can I help other people? So I think it's, it's so, so important as for, as far as like, you know, starting from the ground up is to really, really get clear on your why, why do these things matter to you? Um, you know, another important example of this to me is that I have worked with so many individuals over the years, and I know you guys have as well, that are just miserable. They're absolutely miserable in their work. And so for me, my why is I never want anybody to live that way, you know? I, I know what it's like. I had a, a father who worked in a, a job for 20 years that he had no interest in whatsoever. <laughs> he was just, he was good at it and it was paid the bills. It did what it needed to do. But I saw the difference in my own father after working 20 years in, an, um, in a factory and he gets laid off in his mid, uh, mid forties, late forties. And now he's kind of left with, what do I do now? And my dad took an ultimate leap of faith and he shifted. And one of the things that he wanted to do was take his own sense of creativity and apply it in a different way. He started his own photography business and his why shifted now to, I want to create lasting memories for other people. And he then became a photographer for weddings, for pageants, for seniors and everything like that. And, and it just, his whole, you know, demeanor really changed. He was living what he needed to be living. And so I think uh, getting really, really clear on your why is uh, something that is really, really important to anchor into. Yeah, that's a really cool point. And I, I really like to how you're talking about the why as the basis of your personal brand, because I think that a lot of times when people who are in service-based occupations, it comes a little bit more naturally. I think about when I was in accounting, finding that why was a lot harder for me during that time. And so I think that a lot of people feel like they can pass over it when they are in a job that they're doing, but it's still valuable, regardless of whether this is the thing that you're meant to be doing for the rest of your life or a job that is fulfilling you in other ways. I think that it's really important to know regardless. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. So it is obviously very important to have this personal brand. How do people use it in a job search or in a more established career setting? So this is a really, really great, a great thing that, you know, comes from having a really, really um, positive personal brand, because there's, there's two different ways that we can leverage a personal brand. Uh, in the context of a job search, we have the ability to apply our messages of who we are, what we care about, you know, why we care, what we're really good at, and the results that we can deliver. We can deliver that message in both a passive job search and an active job search. And passively, what we're really talking about is the communication of this message um, through things like our social media channels, through our daily habits and our rituals, what reputation we're building with our colleagues, um, 
you know, how people associate, you know, our actions and what we do. And in the active job search, this is what we're communicating through our resumes, through our LinkedIn profiles, through our cover letters that tells an authentic impact story of what we're there to deliver for a company, for an organization that's a little bit different than the person on the left and the person on the right. And we live right now, as you guys know, in a very, very competitive job market. It's very, very hard to differentiate yourself. And this is the name of the game, is that for any job seeker, it is all about how do you step out and, and be an individual? How do you um, define what is your particular brand of this value right here that's a little bit special? It's a little bit unique to you that is going to resonate with a potential employer. And so with that in mind, that aspect of authenticity and having that unique story is going to be something that will resonate on a very, very deep level. Um, so having the ability to, as I mentioned before, talk about that why um, through the messages that you're conveying. Uh, the reason why I put a lot of emphasis on the why is because the why communicates things on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. And what people have a tendency to do is they want to talk about the what and the how. And the what yeah. and the how communicates on a rational or logical level. And so wouldn't it be a great opportunity for you as a job seeker to communicate on all three levels? So I, I like to say, you know, it's great to be able to talk about your results. It's great to be able to talk about the impacts that you made at, at the organizations that you've worked for. And you want to document those things in your resume. And you want to showcase, you know, the upward trajectory of different positions that you've held and all of those types of things. But at the same time, add in a little bit of personality to this too, because, you know, people like people who are like themselves. And if you want to really, really uh, make an impact with an employer, if you want to, to uh, have the opportunity to create a really great bridge in your networking, they need to see you as somebody that I want to work with, mm -hmm. you know, not just a box of skills. I sometimes talk about, to that point around uh, being likable in the way that you come out and work and present yourself, the process of no like, and trust. I, I'm not the first person who's ever talked about that from a career development <laughs> standpoint, no trademark on that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but the idea that someone who's looking for a job is going through is bringing an employer through the process of them getting to know you, the candidate learning to like who you are, hopefully, and then building enough trust where you come out on top of the list as the most as the most trusted candidate and therefore the person who gets the offer at the end of the day. But if you don't have that, that likability, that second phase, because you're right, a lot of people are, are good at getting the no part figured out. It's like, <laughs> here's what I do. This is what I have done. This is what I think I can do for you. Now can, can we connect on a more emotional level? Like you said, because trust is a very emotional thing. It's not something that just sort of adds up on a chalkboard at the end of the day. Oh, the most trusted candidate person is Billy. Okay. There we go. Let's hire Billy. That's, it's really not how it works. Yes. Yes. And you know, again, another 
thing that's absolutely trademark and I'm not taking ownership of this is that, um, you know, employers hire on experience, they hire on aptitude or your potential and they hire on personality, mm -hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, people love to account for the first two. They want to definitely showcase, you know, their skill sets. They want to showcase what they have the, the capacity to do. They want to show that, yes, I, I certainly can perform the job and do it really, really well. Um, but at the same time, it is a, a little bit of this likability factor too, um, because you still need to be a colleague and you want to, in your messaging, how you present this personal brand, the, what you're communicating to potential people also needs to be, hey, you know, I'm somebody that you can trust to collaborate with you who's going to be of really, really great value to you because I care, because I am different, because I'm trustworthy, I'm loyal, I'm dependable, all of these types of things. And, and yes, you do have to, to present that way. And I feel like that's a bit of a shift from the old way of thinking about careers. And I think that a lot of us learned through our schooling that the emotional side has no place in business or in the mm -hmm. professional world. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, I mean, there's a lot of messages these days talking about bringing the emotional into it. And I think that it's so beneficial for people to just know that it's okay. Yes. Yes. 100%. And one of the things that I think too, that I think correlates a lot with that is that oftentimes and as you said, this kind of comes from a sort of a traditional uh, thought process. We're, we're taught this message early on that you go, in, uh, you go in the line, right? You just do what everybody else is doing. You, you, know, you follow along. You know, from grade school, it's, it's about conformity. And, and so we get those, these messages a lot. And then suddenly, you know, now we start transitioning out of university and now it's all about, okay, you got to be an individual now. Whoa. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't understand that process. I'm so used to following in line. And so they, and the personality goes along with that because we're not used to being able to, to showcase that in a professional sense to the same degree, because it's, it's been kind of like, Oh, we need to kind of suppress that. Cause that's, that could be a liability. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if I if I sh show too much, you know, if I show them my hand, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm giving some things away that could be detrimental to me. And uh, and so I think it's it's a really, really great opportunity to say, no, those aren't liabilities. They're assets. I have a really great story, if you guys don't mind, yeah. uh, that, that highlights this um, It's my favorite, favorite story. So um, Arnold Schwarzenegger you know, famous bodybuilder slash actor slash politician. Uh, one of the things that Arnold Schwarzenegger is obviously known for is, um, you know, number one, his, his muscles, right. <laughs> and his size and his thick German accent. So, so he migrates from Austria to the United States in the sixties, obviously, and builds a career as a, um, as a bodybuilder and wants to then transition into his second career, which is acting. And so he goes on audition after audition, after audition, after audition, right? Much like many job seekers do, right? Mm -hmm. Applying, 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 and, and getting door after door after door telling him, no, you know what? 
you don't fit the mold, right? Your muscles are too big. You look overdeveloped. You talk like a robot, right? <laughs> With this thick German accent, you'll never get hired in this town because he did not fit the leading man role, right? And so all it takes, though, is somebody to be able to see how your uniqueness fits and to create something of very, very unique value. And so two instances came up where everything that everyone told him was a liability suddenly became his assets. Number one was Conan the Barbarian, which is, which is his big break. The producer has gone on record to say if he wasn't built the way he was, they would have to build somebody to be that way. <laughs> So, so, so that, so his physique became an asset to that role. He was exactly what they needed at that time. Second thing was Terminator, his super big break. So um, Terminator is playing the role of a cyborg. He has to sound robotic. That thick German accent suddenly became exactly what he needed. So everybody told him that he needed to work on that. And now it was exactly um what was going to allow him to get the get the role so i i love it i think it just highlights the fact that sometimes we can get really really down on ourselves because maybe we don't fit exactly the way that uh everybody else does and we can we can say that those things are going to hurt us and in some and uh and we need to be able to say okay well actually how can i take ownership of this to prove that this is valuable Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so funny, as soon as you said, what are some of the things that he stands out for? All I could think was get to the chopper. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so very memorable, but such a small piece of his career. Right, exactly. So can you tell us a little bit about your own personal brand? Sure, sure. So I think one of the things that um, is pretty clear whenever you get to know me is that I'm very much a symbolism kind of a guy um if uh are you guys familiar with the myers-briggs type indicator Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with the myers-briggs type indicator you know about the intuitive uh type the n type and uh in full disclosure i'm as far off the charts n as you can possibly Mm -hmm. get i am very much a gray abstract between the lines i'm symbolism i'm connection um and i'm i'm not so much of a details kind of a guy so a lot of times in and how I present or the, the, how I communicate in my own personal brand, it's often in metaphors and it's analogies and it's, um, it's, it's creating a visual image um, of what I'm trying to portray because I think a lot of times it's, um, people can relate to those things and it just works for me. Um, so a lot of these things in terms of how we present in our, our brands um, need to be natural. They need to be, um, you know, the, the things that are comfortable for us that aren't forced because those are a lot harder to put together mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if otherwise done. So, um, so for example, um, my podcast, Your Career GPS, um, you know, follows this whole uh, road trip analogy of, you know, um, our careers are like a road trip. They're a journey. And so a lot of the things that I talk about are in reference to um, there's a lot of symbolism that is correlated there with how our uh, careers tend to go. Um, They're long, they're evolving. 
Um, there's lots of hills, there's lots of valleys, there's construction, there are roadblocks, there are tolls, there are, <laughs> there are other people on the road, there's lots of traffic, there's, there's positives and negatives uh, about our careers. And I think people can kind of relate to that. So every episode, you know, sort of fits that analogy. Um, you know, in terms of other things um, that resonate in my career, you know, I talk very openly about my experience in my uh, mental health background. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an area for me that makes me a little bit different. You know, there are there are other therapists turned career coaches, but um, but that's how I sort of differentiate myself, and I use that to my advantage in a lot of other areas in terms of how I communicate my value. You know, coming from a position as a therapist. I have this rich, diverse experience of working with everybody under the planet. So that shows that I have a versatility. I understand people's motivations. I'm a really, really great listener. Um, I hear the themes in people's stories. And so, so often when I'm, when I'm making posts or if I'm communicating with people, if I'm networking, I'm talking about um, things that, that really go into humanness and what makes us unique and what makes us valuable. And then finally, the things that words that I often use are things like potential, authenticity, empowerment, um, things that really, really are designed to make people feel that I care, that I understand that they are unique and they have value and it's just being able to find where that value lies. Wow. Let's just like, let that one settle. There was a lot of great (laughs) stuff in that. It's incredible what happens when, what happens to your brand when you're not fighting your natural identity. Right. Mm -hmm. And I loved how you discussed yourself and your strengths in a very confident and matter of fact way without at all, at least from my standpoint, sounding arrogant, sounding cocky, sounding over the top. And I know job seekers of all ages struggle with that. It's like, how do I represent myself in the world without coming across as some prick that no one would want to hire? It's about, it sounds like in your case, having a lot of clarity about who you are, what is important to you, and then putting it out in the world. And I'm guessing on a somewhat regular basis as well. Would you say that's true? Yes, yes. And I love the way that you put that too, because there is a there is a very, very important distinction there about confidence versus cockiness. Mm-hmm. And this isn't for job seekers particularly, this isn't about I'm better than you. This is about I have unique value for this role, you know, apart from what everybody else is doing. I'm not concerned with them, you know. As, as a job seeker, if I'm coming into a role, my sole focus is on communicating my unique value, my authentic impact story for this particular role. And I could care less about what everybody else is doing. You know? So if you're, if you're very, very laser focused on being able to communicate that story for an employer, it's not about you know, taking that one step farther and saying, oh, okay, I'm better than everybody else because you're doing that by default. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't have to go the extra mile and, and really hit that point home because you're already 
um, showing them that you're just what the doctor ordered. And to go back to your road trip analogy, I'm just picturing, you know, being in your own car <laughs> and you're not driving along thinking I'm the best driver on the road. Okay. Some people might, but you know, <laughs> in general, you're paying attention to what's ahead of you and what's around you as opposed to paying attention to what other people are doing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's <laughs> awesome. So Brad, would you say that there are some myths out there circulating around the idea of building a personal or professional brand? I do think so. And in particular, the, stakeholders that I care about often, um, students, new grads, early career professionals. I think there's a lot of things that they're either, they're either full-blown myths or they're just areas that, um, that maybe they're just not fully comprehending. But either way, um, just definite mental traps to kind of get into. And I think probably one of the biggest uh, that I think we've already addressed is that um, you know, young people already are building brands, you know, from, you know, a very, very young age, they're developing a reputation, you know, in terms of how they're representing their own personal values, their own unique skill sets, what they care about. And particularly for millennials and Gen Z, they've grown up in the age of technology with social media. And so, you know, find me an 18 year old right now who's not on Snapchat, TikTok, mm -hmm. Instagram, <laughs> all of that is a brand. And they may not see it that way. They might may not think about it that way because it hasn't shifted into a purely professional focus. But it's representing certain things that they care about. Maybe it's music, maybe it's dance, maybe it is politics. Um, so, but it is communicating certain messages to individuals about what they value the most. The key for them is really understanding that number one, this is creating a, a story that other people are being able to interpret and reflecting is this the story that i want them to have does this reflect on me in the way that i really need it to as i start to transition and i start to build my career and this also impacts individuals who are changing careers too so this isn't just exclusive for 18 year olds um, but for people who are making shifts you know for example for me shifting from mental health into career development you know, if everything I'm communicating is mental health, mental health, mental health, you know, the, the message is getting distorted a little bit because I need to, to shift how I, how I am communicating the story, who I'm targeting it for, the content of that message and, and so forth. Uh, that way it, it resonates with the right people. And I'm now getting recognition and getting opportunities mm -hmm. aligned with where I see myself going. So, um, so those kind of things are really, really important. So it's, it's important for those individuals that are just not really recognizing that they have one to take ownership of really what you want to be known for. I think another common myth or a common misconception is that a personal brand is really just, you know, social media. It's just, you know, I, I throw up 
some videos. I throw up some pictures and a logo and, and that's it. And a lot of times people are going to associate that with, it's just self-promotion. It's egocentric. It's selfish, right? Um, you know, I, I'm putting myself over here, you know, mm -hmm. and that's not it at all. I think, no, I'm not saying that there aren't brands that probably do that a little bit that aren't really, really obsessed with vanity metrics, right? It's all about likes. It's all about followers, right? Mm -hmm. There are, there are brands that do that. However, I, I think it is absolutely possible if you, if you're really, really focusing on your authenticity, on really, really communicating who you care about, why you care about, or uh, why you care about the individuals that you care about, your brand can elevate your status as well as help other people along the way. So it doesn't have to be purely egocentric mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be just for the sake of gaining followers. That's such a great point. Yes. I'm, I'm flashing back because we, you talked about how just social media and how young people today are, they have a brand that's bigger than a lot of them realize flashing back to when I was maybe a 14, 15 year old in high school and 15 year old Mike Bird probably wasn't known to too many people outside of Hansworth Secondary School and my family, <laughs> right? And now you can be in your teens and be world famous for something. It's it's really quite wild what's changed it's in that insane. period of time, right? <laughs> cool. So what are the different facets of a personal brand and how can someone who is starting from scratch identify these in themselves? So that's a great question. And as I was kind of mentioning before, I'm, I'm very much a, a symbolism guy. Uh, another piece of that is I like acronyms because I, I also have a terrible memory. So they help me <laughs> keep track of certain things, uh, certain messages that I'm giving to students and, and the clients that I work with. So um, some time ago, I, I created the acronym STAR uh, to help with sort of um, piecing these elements together in terms of how to build uh, a great brand from the start. Uh, each letter represents a, a different component. So the S stands for strengths. Um, strengths are your natural talents. These are the things that you know definitively that you're good at um, because you've received the reinforcement because other people have told you that you're good at these things. These are the things that you constantly get praise for that, that you know um, based on the rewards that, um, that are just innate, that you've just got the capacity to do. So, um, so strengths is, is the first one. And this is so important because we have to leverage these elements that we do really, really well, because the more that we, leverage our strengths, the more that we enact those in our work, in our professional lives, the better that we're going to do, right? The more success that we're going to have. And ultimately it's going to create a legacy because word is going to start getting around. Hey, you know what? Mike is extremely good at this, <laughs> you know? And so those things will, will continue to follow you. The T stands for the target. And that is who do you care about or what do you care about? What are the causes that are really important to you? Is it mental health? Is it physical health? Is it um, improving processes? Is it leadership? Is it um, climate change? You know, really, really getting clear on the individual's 
or the companies or the organizations that, that you really, really care about because they're doing the things that matter to you, or they're going to be, of, they're going to benefit from the things that you do. Um, and I think taking that one step further is really getting clear on why, why do you care about that? You know, I think it's a really, really important inventory uh, to assess, uh, you know, what, why that, that really matters to you. So for me, you know, my why in helping young people and helping uh, the next generation is because these are the people who are going to be running companies one day. These are the people that are going to be creating the change in the world one day. And I want them to be super fulfilled with what they do because that makes a better world for everybody. So the target is really important. Uh, the A is authenticity. And that's the, kind of the message that we've been saying all along. It's really your unique story. It's why are you a little bit different than everybody else? What do you bring in your past history that not everybody else can boast? Um, you know, this is also elements of your personality. You know, are you a super, super outgoing and energetic person? Are you the person that takes command and just leads? And, uh, you know, is that you know, how people associate you? Or are you kind of like me, who's a little bit more of the soft spoken, just genuine kind of down to earth uh, kind of person? Is that sort of um, embedded into your authenticity? So it's not about, you know, being better. It's just about this is this is who I am. And this is how I take ownership of that. Um, it also involves your flaws, your quirks, you know, the things that make you a little bit, you know, a little bit different in, in that regard too. And, and being okay with those and, and saying, okay, this is just who I am. I have to accept that. Right. And then finally, the R are the results. And this is the, this is the selling point. This is really um, for you as potential, you know, emerging professionals as job seekers in particular, what is the value that you can provide? Um, what is it that you know that you can deliver in terms of your results, uh, in terms of the rewards that other people can gain from the talents that you have, doing them in an authentic way for the people that you care about? So that's tying all the elements in there together. So in terms of how you get clear on all of those, in terms of how you can um, start pulling the star together, the strengths, the target, the authentic, authentic, authenticity, I can't talk, and the results, it's um, a couple of different things that individuals can do. Number one, in terms of strengths, take some assessment, assessments. Clifton Strengths is an amazing assessment to really, really dive into your innate talents. What is it that you do that's just just part of who you are, part of your fabric. That's an amazing assessment. There are tons of skills assessments that you can do that can be quite insightful. Another important thing is to take inventory, reflect on your past, um, really look into the times in your history where you've been the most successful, the times where you have absolutely been at you know, your best. What was going on around those times? How are you able to achieve what you were able to achieve? what was the context, right? So take clues about those things. Take clues about times in your history where you were at your absolute happiest, right? Um, that gives you clues about really what is fulfilling for you, what is authentically you, where, you, what, where it wasn't forced and you didn't have to um, manipulate yourself in order to achieve it. It wasn't artificial. Um, and then finally, also, 
and this may not be super fun to do, but also maybe reflect a little bit on some of the darker times. The darker times often give you valuable clues about how you've overcome challenges, how you've dealt with certain things, why things matter to you the way that they do. As I mentioned before, you know, so many uh, individuals enter into various professions because it's a calling for them because of experiences that they've had, maybe positive or negative, sometimes negative. And it's because of those things they can anchor in to a bigger purpose for them that's, that's truly authentic. I love all of that, right? The, the self-reflection piece, we talk about that, having greater self-awareness. It's just like the foundation of so many things in, in career development. And so I can see how that falls neatly into place when it comes to branding as well. There's something that you made me think about as you were talking about the STAR acronym. And I love, I love acronyms too, because my memory <laughs> is also a little bit patchy sometimes. <laughs> if I could add a letter, but I feel like I can't because it would make your acronym really kind of uh, maybe odd. <laughs> the, the letter would be E and that would be short for experience. And when you kind of look forward now into how you want to shape a brand, um, and, and I say it would be awkward because I think if you were to add an E to the end of star and turn it into stare, then it just gets a little creepy, <laughs> but experience meaning what's the experience that I want to create when people engage with me and my right. brand, how do I want them to feel? That's something that I don't think I do enough for actually for my clients. I've been doing it. I've been asking that question more and more, those two to myself, um, because I'm pretty hyper-conscious of it now, but that has really dramatically changed how I show up and the, the way that my brand has been shaped is understanding how do I aspire to make people feel after they are done either talking to me, being on a Zoom call, being around me in person or exchanging messages, super critical because I think there is a forward-looking component to building a brand that sometimes even I definitely forget about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's the, that's maybe that legacy component mm -hmm. of, the, of the results. It's, you know, it's, you know, you have a value add that you know that you can deliver on. These are the things that this is how you leverage those talents that you have, the skills that you have in a way that's authentic for the people that you care about. And this is the lasting result. This is what people are going to take away in the long term. So I love that piece too. Absolutely. Cool. Amazing. Well, we have some questions that we asked to all of our guests. And so the first question we'd like to ask you is what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? That is an amazing question. And so I think I have two examples. One is a little bit more broad and maybe one's a little bit more specific, but I love the question anyway, because it makes me happy. So <laughs> So the first one is, I think in terms of just uh, in general, fun um, being rewarding as well is when I was teaching courses. And um, so I, I taught courses for about five years at a uh, community college. And uh, I, would I would typically teach courses on Wednesday nights and or uh, Monday afternoons, go figure how that, that was set up. But anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> the Wednesday night classes were always a little bit smaller. So the, um, I would typically have mm, maybe 10 
15 students uh, typically in, in my Wednesday night classes. And they were always the most fun because everybody's kind of unwinding for the day. It's a little bit smaller atmosphere. Everybody can kind of get a little bit more personal, share stories. And it just felt like such a great collaborative atmosphere where I could educate them. I could provide some really, really helpful information about building blocks of your career and making informed decisions and all of these types of things and do so in, in such a way that just, it just felt very invigorating and felt um, that they really valued, you know, um, what I was presenting. And um, so coincidentally, the individuals in that class were uh, generally a little bit older too. Uh, maybe they were working adults. And so maybe they were in their twenties or thirties. And so um, maybe their perspective had shifted a little bit too, so they could appreciate some of those, uh, some of those concepts a little bit better, but it was just great. It was such a, a great, great uh, synergy and a collaborative environment where it, it didn't feel like teaching to me. It, it just felt like, you know, felt like group therapy in a way, <laughs> you know, it's, it was just really, really awesome. Uh, as far as a specific instance, um, I have a really, really fun story. So in, um, before the pandemic started at uh, Eastern Michigan, where I work now, had an opportunity to present an interviewing workshop for a class. And so a friend, um, myself and one of my uh, colleagues presented an interviewing workshop. And so we decided to liven up the session a little bit by doing a live mock interview. And so I was the interviewee in this instance. And so I got to be a bad interview and I got to be a good interview. <laughs> and so I, uh, I really, really played it up. I forgot how good my acting skills were, <laughs> but, but I was literally, I mean, I was, I was conducting a clinic on what not to do. I was slouching. I was bad mouthing my boss. I was <laughs> asking about salary. I, you know, I was making demands. I was doing everything wrong and it was so fun. Uh, and then I got to turn it on a dime and then just dial it in and just be like a killer uh, interviewer. And the, the best part was the next day, um, the individual that I did this with brought in like this little Oscar trophy and I, and I got <laughs> best supporting actor in, uh, in a mock interview role play. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was the best. Oh, that sounds so fun. <laughs> All right. So the other thing that we often find in people's careers is that there's some level of risk. So what would you say is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? So when I ventured into career development and actually started working in higher education, one of the things, and I, I'm very open about this. I, I talk about this quite a lot because I, I want people to understand that we all have areas that we have to work on and we have to address. And when we see certain obstacles that are preventing us from getting to the next step in our career, whatever they may be, it's really up to us to take control over those things. And so what a lot of people know, I'm not sure how much you guys know yet, but um, early on in my career, I had a fear of public speaking. And, and it was really, really to the point where it was impacting, it was clearly impacting my trajectory. It was impacting what I could do because I was turning down opportunities to do things because I didn't feel comfortable. Um, because I hadn't mastered this and I was 
terrified <laughs> of getting up and, and speaking in front of groups. And so it, it didn't take me long to start seeing opportunity after opportunity after opportunity pass me by before I got so disgusted with myself that I cannot let this keep impacting me. I have to, to do something about this. And so I'll never forget one day um, my, uh, my boss comes in and says, hey, you know, uh, we want to do this workshop on such and such. I don't even remember the topic now, <laughs> but we want to do this workshop. You know, would you be willing to do it? And I said, yes. I didn't even think about it. I just said, I'll figure it out later. <laughs> I literally just don't, I pure impulse decision. I said, yeah, I'll do it because I was so fed up with seeing everybody else get these opportunities, but me. And I realized that I had to do something a little bit different. So I did it and I will admit it was not the best, but it was certainly not the worst. And it was only in front of like six people. <laughs> so, which helped a little, mm -hmm. but at, you know, I was sweating. I was, you know, kind of stuttering a little bit, but I got through it and man, oh man, did that, did that change my reality that that told me everything I needed to know about God, you can do this. You can push yourself past this point and, and, you know, really, really change the narrative. And so that was huge for me. And, and so, and there I am a year later teaching courses. <laughs> and so How it's, cool uh, is that? yeah, it was really, uh, it was just something that has completely changed the trajectory of my career. Thanks for sharing that. You are a little bit like us in that we often are the people giving a lot of career advice. I'd love to know what's the best piece of career advice you've ever received. What is that? Yeah. So it's, it's so funny because we ask this question on our podcast a lot. I, I know um, uh, you're familiar with that and I've heard such brilliant advice from, from so many different people on this. And it wasn't until I was thinking about coming into this podcast where I'm like, I probably should prepare an answer mm -hmm. for this. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, when I stepped back and reflected on it, I thought really probably the best correlates to what I was saying about overcoming my uh, fear of public speaking, which is get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think it's, it's, our stretch zones that we're going to see the most growth in our lives and in our careers. It's not when we're comfortable. It's not when everything is going great. It's not when, you know, everything is just streamlined and, and flowing smooth. That's after, that's after you've pushed yourself. That's after the, the place of, of stretch. Um, but it is those times where you're tested. It's the times where you're encountering serious challenges that you're growing exponentially. So the more that you can get comfortable with those things and really embrace it, I think is, is going to allow you to, to really, really see yourself accelerate. And one of the examples that I give here was I was so humbled and so incredibly honored that I was, um, acknowledged as as a job search expert on LinkedIn. And I don't take that lightly for one second. I struggle with the term expert on anything, but um, 
but I was so incredibly humbled by that. But, and I was a, a little bit uncomfortable with even embracing it, you know, um, you know, I had received a nomination and I said, okay, well, I'm going to push my uncomfortability here and I'm going to say, all right, let's go with this and, you know, uh, let's participate, <laughs> you know, because apparently somewhere along the line, somebody, somebody thought enough of me. And so I have to combat maybe some of those, some of those feelings of being uncomfortable and just say, all right, well, let's, let's take this to the next step. So I think that's for me is, is really um, the message that I give to so many people, just, just really seek those opportunities to push yourself a little bit and be uncomfortable. And you're going to see some, some really, really great growth. So important. Brad, it's been a great conversation. Where can people go to find out more about what you're doing and just you in general? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I absolutely love this conversation with you guys today. I'm so incredibly honored to be here. Uh, I know it's been a long time coming. We've talked about it and uh, just had to get the stars to align. So um, yeah. So uh, as Mike had mentioned earlier on, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. So definitely find me there under Brad W. Minton, uh, career coach. Uh, shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, I also have a website, meanttobecareer.com. Um I'm also fairly active on Instagram at meant to be career, all lowercase, uh, one word. And then obviously, um, uh, for any listeners here that subscribe to podcasts, definitely check out your career GPS. We're on all major platforms. And we'll definitely put links to all of that in the show notes. And that's M I N T. Right. Mm -hmm. M I N T. Correct. Yes. <laughs> it's all in the brand. I love uh, it. That's right. Thank you so much for your time. It has been a great, great conversation. And yes, absolutely. A, a long time coming. And I'm sure it's not the last conversation that we're going to have with you uh, on this show. I think we can call it a week at that for the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Check out Brad Minton, Mint to be Career. Love the guy. We hope you are well. We hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Are you looking to connect with awesome people on LinkedIn and build the kind of professional network that gets you hired faster? Go to coachwazo.com slash C-E-L-I to get access to my free five-day e-course called Connecting Effortlessly on LinkedIn. You'll be on your way to creating the relationships that build your career. Once again, that's C-O-A-C-H-O-I-S-E-A-U dot com slash C-E-L-I.